Hi everyone, welcome back again to our Tech Talk. Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, today we are going to talk about automation, software automation to be exact. Uh, Amit and I both have um, a level of experience and uh, expertise on automation. I specifically work on robotic process automation and uh, in my past um, um, work experiences as a mechanical design engineer I've also worked on design automation. Um, Amit um, has different kind of automation experience, um, automation in software testing um, and you know, automation is a very diverse topic, and um, obviously, when we delve into it today, uh, we're gonna, you know, find out what different kind of automation there is. And uh, Amit's experience is also quite diverse in different types of automation. And um, yeah, so I thought it would be a good topic to cover today. Both of our experiences um, will will help you guys to understand in different ways how we can automate and uh, improve our lives and also improve um, add value to different businesses um, so yeah um, Amit thank you for joining us um, we are gonna get right to it so uh, let's start by you know you explaining us what is automation Thank you, Renat. Uh, yeah, that was a good introduction. Yes, automation actually enhances our life. It actually increases our productivity. And a lot of people get worried about automation when they think about, okay, it will replace us. Uh, it will replace manual work. But automation actually enhances our productivity. So automation is anything that can be done automatic or on its own. And that's what the term is automation. Um, so you have a manual car and an automatic car and in a manual car, you'll have to shift every gear manually, but in automatic car, you the gear changes by itself. So on its own. Um, so similarly in software automation, when we talk about things, we want things to do by themselves rather than we clicking on a button or taking a screenshot or even doing some activity in a web browser. So, so that's why, uh, I mean, that, that is essentially automation. So doing things on itself and uh, it has various aspects to it. And uh, in software automation, you have various platforms, browsers, uh, you can automate the data that you play with, the GUI that you interact with, the database, etc. And we all do automation in our lives just to enhance productivity. So things that you do repetitively, you want to automate. So like changing gear in a car, that example, I think that's very apt. So when you're in traffic, you tend to change gears quite a lot and people become very frustrated. They are like, I don't want to change the gears all the time. So that's, that's why automatic cars are so popular. Similarly, you know, software automation, you do things sometimes repetitively. You try to do the same things again and again. So in order to increase your productivity and you focusing your time on something important, you uh, try to automate it so that it frees up your time and you focus on just the work that lies ahead. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's very interesting. Um, I think I've uh, read this somewhere that if you're doing anything, um, you know, if you're doing the same thing three times, then consider automation. If you're doing it four times, then definitely do automate. Definitely. Because, um, yeah, the return on investment on, you know, spending, you know, say for example, it, it could be, you know, uh, automation in business. In that case, you're, you, you know, you're investing to, you know, to 
get that resource or even in personal life you're then investing your time and effort to understand and implement that automation but um, it the return on investment is always a positive uh, when when uh, the return on investment is always positive when you are automating because um, um, the power of it is is so um, so easy to grasp you know uh, even if you're doing something only three times and you're thinking oh it's not worth it but then again sooner or later you'll probably be having to do that again um, in future and then you already have that um, you know piece of work automated and uh, you'll you'll keep getting return out of that so yeah definitely um, but but here we have to be careful Renata. the thing is a lot of people when they try to think of automation they think okay uh, let's get rid of people we'll automate few things and we'll get rid of people but they forget that uh, uh, it doesn't help with getting rid of people. You get rid of the work that they are currently doing, which is repetitive. So you can use yes. them for something else. So I think we have to be clear because there is this misconception in this industry that, okay, let's automate and get rid of people. We'll reduce a lot of, uh, we'll save a lot of money. Uh, but that's essentially not the case because what you're trying to do is get rid of repetitive work and Absolutely. making humans more productive. Yes, and I, I just want to, yeah, I, I also want to add on to this because most of my, you know, um, as, as a robotic process automation expert, most of the time, most, a big part of my job has been to convince people that actually um, it's, you're not, no one's going to lose their job. And I, I remember one of the projects I've worked with where I built a robot which was um, um, measured as 40 FTE, so FTE stands for full-time earner. So when you are measuring, you are kind of um, measuring against the time saved. So, but it, it, none of those 40 people actually lost their jobs. And I have, you know, um, gone back and found out, and I, I know for a fact that that wasn't the case. And also, another thing to look at is, um, you know. Yeah, I'm building robots to automate. But before before this time, you know, 20 years ago or even 30 years ago, when Microsoft Excel first came about, Excel is a great automation tool. It it you know before that there was calculator, there was many repetitive calculation. Uh, but when the Excel came about, no one lost their jobs, but they just upskilled themselves to learn Excel. So jobs become more and more interesting day by day but no one actually loses the job so that's very important as you see, yeah you, you rightly said it is a very important thing to to actually you know establish that yeah yes. no, no one yes. no one uh, is losing their job but um, automation doesn't take jobs away but makes your jobs more interesting absolutely so um, i mean yes uh, rightly said i mean especially in software test automation um or software testing because that's the field that I currently work in. There is this uh, whole thing about, oh, are you a manual tester or are you automation tester? <laughs> and uh, I think in, in our last uh, couple of talks, we talked about both our robotic process automation and we talked about software testing. And in both of those things, we uh, ended up saying that, okay, it, it enhances productivity, it, it automates some things, but it's actually not doing testing. It's doing checking, right. it's, it's, it's different. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and people always confuse that and they say, oh, let's get rid of manual testers. And if you're a manual tester, you're not productive enough. So you don't know how to script. You don't know how to program. So <laughs> let's get rid of you and then let's uh, 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 replace uh, someone with 
programming skills not testing skills and those skills are actually quite different mm. um and uh, then uh, what happens is they write a good program but they are not actually finding bugs with it <laughs> so <laughs> so this also happens so right. yeah i mean from my experience that's what i can say right so okay that's that's good to sort of know about before we sort of dive into the details um so what um what can we automate um i mean what are the things that are automatable you know you know we 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 started the talk with you know different ways things can be automated etc i mean i can imagine desktop application there are mobile apps there are web apps and you know in testing i i i think you'd probably know about yes. other things to automate so what can we automate so actually uh, the automation spectrum it's it's quite vast and you can automate almost essentially anything because in the end we are creating software and we write some uh, code to build those software so we can write some code to automate those software it's up to us how we build those software can that software actually have certain key identifiers in order for us to automate it so so we we can automate desktop applications so there are tools so like your application you work with ui path so ui path can do desktop automation it can interact with excel folders in windows etc but of course it's limited to windows but there are other automation tools for osx as well then coming to mobile you have uh, mobile applications so you can automate that uh, again uh, you will have to identify certain elements on the application and then you can automate there are tools the most popular is apm and apm is cross platform that it means you can use it on both osx and um, sorry ios and android so you can it's cross platform which is which is useful because then you can uh, write a code in one language and then you can um, uh, you can use it for the other platform as well by just tweaking it a bit um and then when it comes to browser automation the browser automation is very vast and browser automation deals with mostly the gui the front end so again uh, with desktop applications the front end normally doesn't change so you will have buttons at a specific place if you open the window in a maximized state and you know the screen resolution you know exactly where the button will be and you can click on that button or you can identify okay if i scan the whole screen what is the place where the button is actually and then i can just click on that place so that's one way to automate and similarly in gui based web browser automation you'll do the same thing you'll identify the web elements and then interact with it but uh, there's a lot of test data back end automation so you can uh, write scripts so in in windows it's very popular we have windows uh, batch scripts so batch scripts are nothing but windows command written in a sequence and it executes them uh, one by one um and you can automate that so it basically it runs few windows commands and you can so network engineers um or people who are who are working in the it department of any organization they they have to uh, install windows quite frequently they have to debug systems machines quite frequently so they have to automate some of their process um and then you have scripts to automate your day to day activities so there is um, in our talk on ui path i mentioned about uh, auto hotkey which is a combination of hotkeys and automation scripts and which can then help you to uh automate few of the task that you do repetitively like typing your email address typing the address opening a particular application or opening a particular folder starting a particular application etc etc so with yeah. a couple of hotkeys 
you can I, do I that. Actually, I actually remember, I think in one of our last talks, you explained something yes. that was so impressive. I think the print screen thing, like, you know, you press print screen. Print yes. screen. Uh, tell yes. us again, what, what, what does that one do? So basically, um, as, as a tester, you normally have to take a lot of screenshots because you have to tell the developers, okay, uh, guys, this is what I found. And uh, this is... Uh, this is not the right behavior as per the requirements, the business requirements in this case. So I have to take screenshots to help them understand. And I take screenshots regularly. And normally what you do is you take a print screen or you do use a snipping tool and you uh, have to save it manually and you have to give it a name so you don't forget. And you have to save it at a particular location. So every time you do that, it's it's a lot of steps. So you press print screen or you open snipping tool, you select the area of the screen, then you click on save, then you save it in a particular folder, give it a file name, click on save, close it. So there are like six or seven steps just to take one single screenshot. It sounds that, okay, it's a very simple task of just taking a screenshot. But if you have to do it repetitively for every test step when you're executing, it takes a lot of your time. So I decided, okay, enough is enough. Let me just automate it because I'm doing it frequently. So are there tools in the market? There are tools, but of course you'll have to pay for them or they take a lot of memory. Can we use any Windows built-in commands that can do the work for me? Print screen does it, but print screen again, if you print screen, you have to either open paint or word and then press the screenshot. So it's uh, not helpful. Then what's the other activity? So then I found auto hotkey. I created a script. It it does print screen, uh, but it opens paint. It takes the uh, the screenshot, puts it in paint, saves it, gives it a timestamp, and then saves it to a particular location, closes paint. So <laughs> with the press of a hotkey, I've done, I've automated the whole process. So now whenever, whichever project I work in, where they need a lot of screenshots, I just use my script. And the best thing is I don't even have to install it. I can run it in a portable version. So because it's wow. using the Windows native uh, functions or libraries, I don't have to do any install. So in a lot of environments where there is restriction in installing software, you can run it as a portable application and then uh, just uh, increase your productivity. So yeah, that's one example. Yes, yes. I mean, I really like this example. And this actually also helps me explain that other thing that I was talking about return on investment. Say, for example, I like this idea, but I don't know anything about this software auto help key. And so now if I want to, if I'm thinking about, okay, it's saving me three seconds every time. Um, I don't have to take as many sprint screens, but you know, if I now want to download the software, learn how to do it, and then do this whole programming to do this it'll probably take me a one full day or maybe less yes. well, let's say one full day when i'm thinking okay one full day is you know even if i put eight to ten hours that was you know that's not worth saving three seconds but you have to think about this is going to save me three seconds for you know unforeseeable future and exactly is it not it is not just saving me time but it's also saving me that you know uh, you know, mental, like, um, I would feel so much better if I didn't have to do this mundane task over and over again. And, you know, exactly. it, it would just be so satisfying as well. So there are many benefits of it as well. And the return on investment is always positive with automation. Yes. And uh, anything that's repeatable in life, in general, mm. you should automate. 
in life yes. so if if you if you do a lot of excel calculations automate that if you if you work with a lot of word documents try to automate it if you generate a lot of reports automate it and uh, this has uh, we have seen this across the industry it's not just software industry manufacturing a lot of times they have automated the whole assembly line so it it helps and automation actually uh, gives opportunity for human beings to do more cognitive based task rather than repetitive task where their brain brain is not that much utilized because once you do something repetitive you're just brain your brain gets used to it and you don't even have to think about using your brain to do those tasks you just do it without even thinking like uh, like we uh, like we breathe the way we breathe it's now so much part of our life we don't have to think about breathing we just breathe <laughs> it's it's like a, our brain has automated that whole process <laughs> yeah 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 we don't consciously do it uh it just um you know it just always always going on but yeah very interesting so um how can i mean obviously you know you talked about different um you know things we can automate you know the infrastructure do how about you know more in testing arena like what kind of you know when we talk about test automation what 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 does that mean so uh, when we talk about test automation specifically it means execution of test scripts so normally when you do testing so you say okay what do you want to do with this testing so say suppose i have spotify app and i listen on spotify you uh, i listen to music on spotify app but the app has other functions and features as well like there is a login feature there is a playlist option i can create playlist i can like a playlist i can save a playlist i can listen to songs i can listen to podcast i can see their screen uh, their screenshots their their uh, screen art then i can play the music i can pause the music uh, so i can do so many things i can cast the music on a uh, iot device say my google home or alexa etc so i can do so many things now if i want to test all this i'll say okay i want these are the things this software can do and these are the things i want to check and uh, the way i will check is by writing this script so i'll i'll follow this particular order i'll start with login i'll try with multiple combinations of username and password and see what works what doesn't work we don't know yet what works and what doesn't work and we'll try different combinations of uh, so that's data so the username and password is nothing but the test data so this is the data that we'll try to check or test whether this is working correctly um and then once you have to so once you test everything you have all these scripts written with all the steps that okay these are the things we want to test in the app now you add a new feature so all the features that were already there which i described earlier plus one new feature and now you have to test everything again right and now you go to the second iteration where you add all the new features plus one plus one so now you have two new features plus the old all the features i described so now in this scenario you have to execute all the test again now yeah. this time you already know the results in the first time you didn't know the results so you were trying to identify what the results should be once you know what the results should be you you try to then automate it so by that what it means is all the tasks that i defines right from logging in to uh, clicking a song liking a playlist uh, saving a playlist etc you try to automate that using a software so if it's a browser based software you will have to use a tool that can interact with the web browser so web uh, a, a browser based automation is nothing but identifying elements on a html page 
So whatever you see on the web page, you have to first yeah. identify it and then try to interact with it. So what that means is, suppose there is a button, I want to click it. So first I need to identify where the button is. Then I need to identify whether I'm clicking the right button. Then I click it and then I wait for what the outcome is. And because I've already tested it before, I know what the outcome will be and what should be the expected outcome. So I will code for that. So I'll say, okay, if the outcome is this, pass. If the outcome is anything else, fail. So I'm not testing it anymore. I'm just checking whether I'm receiving the expected outcome when I tested it for the first time. So, right. so that's the difference. And now what I did is I saved time. So instead of doing it again and again, whenever a new feature is added, I just automated the whole thing. So I start with the data. So sometimes you have a lot of data. So what you do is you put it in an Excel and you make your automation framework, whatever it is, to ask, to look for the data, try to log in with multiple um, scenarios where the username and password keeps changing or they, are, they have different characters. And then try to log in and then test uh, whether it's working or not. Uh, so that's data. Then you have the element identifying and then you have the action on the element. And then you have the whole execution. Once the execution is done, you have to generate a report. So there is no point of doing all this testing and automation if you can't generate a report. So you want a report which says, okay, the script or the automation tool, it executed these many test cases. This is the result, these many pass, these many fail. The things that have failed, we have to take the screenshot. Here, here are the screenshots. So now you have everything and that's how basically you implement it. So you're thinking about everything. And this is very specific to browser, but now in browser also you have multiple browsers. You have Google Chrome, you have Mozilla Firefox, you have Apple Safari, you have Microsoft Edge. So now if you want to open your website on multiple browsers and check whether the rendering is correct, you will have to test it on multiple browsers. So again, this is repetitive. You're testing the same login feature on multiple browsers. So better automate it. So yeah, that's that's how you would go about implementing. You would think about what you want to implement, where you want to implement, um, the data, the environment, um, error handling, um, etc. And then yes. So basically, these are the key things that you want to think about when you're uh, doing automation. Right, right. This is actually quite insightful because I always wondered. I mean, yeah, I'm automating business processes, and I'm thinking, okay, this there's a lot of benefit to it, but. When I think about test automation, I was like, you know, you're gonna test whether it works or not. How? What is there to automate? But no, it, you, you've pointed out really well that um, you know a set of test test environments. But then when one feature is added, of course you have to test whether that feature is affecting the rest of the operation. So you have to do all the operations. But this time yes. you actually have all the information. This time it's more of a white box test testing because yes. You know, yes. so that way, you know, that first parts can be, you know, uh, can be automated. Yeah, that's that's actually good. I'm actually really happy to know this. I always wondered that. Yeah, I mean, uh, testers, uh, they have to think differently. I mean, from a development point of view, you are trying to build things, mm -hmm. which is, which is again, very, it's a very creative work. So um, you have to think innovatively on how to build things efficiently. As a tester, we have to think, whether that build, uh, whether what you build is actually working for the consumer, whoever is going to consume the product or use the product, is it actually working for them? And how does it work for them? Is it actually slow? Is it fast? Is it secure, etc., etc.? And do the basic features work? 
because sometimes you think oh yeah built it but then it breaks in a different environment so so there are some different skill sets needed in order to uh, do this uh, kind of work absolutely absolutely right so um tell us a little bit about principles of automation so uh, i mean again i mean coming back to the same things principles of automation starts with uh, so okay so let me let me go back a bit in in the industry today currently whenever you go to any organization they say uh, or you look at a job advert they all talk about um, this is the tool we are using do you know how to use this tool uh, if you if yes please apply and they are more focused on tool so they are not focused on problem solving so again you have to first identify what the problem statement is so i think that's one of the main principles when you think about test automation it's not about uh, first thinking about okay we'll use this fancy tool and uh, we will save this much money no but what problem are you trying to solve and actually do you need to automate it what's the benefit so i mean a lot of people they get bogged down by okay let's say rpa okay people mm-hmm. will say let's use ui path they don't know what ui path is yeah. they just heard from someone and they say yeah. okay let's use ui path it will save us so much time but then when they start to implement they think about oh the license cost is here high then the uh, we need a developer who can actually come and do the work that developer is expensive then we haven't thought about all the environments and the data then what information does the developer need so the developer need someone to train them about the system or the process how the business works etc etc so now you are thinking okay i thought the person will come and they will automate and it will be done in a week or two so time but now it has taken two months and i've still not got any benefit from it and i've paid so much money so so i think one of the first principles is look at your problem statement mm-hmm. once you have identified what problem you want to solve then you think about the tool okay so this is what i want to solve this is where i'll be running it this is how i will want to run it this is what and then you think about okay this is the tool i will use because this is the tool uh, which is most suitable for this problem there are yes. tools specific to different problems so you cannot use a android automation tool on windows and say it's not working <clears throat> but it's not designed for that so for specific problems you have specific tools and you need to identify that so that that's the core pr- principle of test automation that think about this also think about scalability so a lot of times uh, when people uh, write uh, test automation they write a script and they think oh it's done it's fine everything is working i'm happy and then after a few months they have added so many scripts it's difficult to manage it's difficult to run everything takes a lot of time plus it's difficult to maintain those scripts because uh, people take a lot of time they don't understand what is what features keep changing so it's difficult to update so you need to have this thinking in the in the beginning if my feature set increases how will i maintain all this code how how will i who will actually maintain it because say suppose you hire a contract a consultant okay ui path consultant the consultant comes does the job goes now there is no one in the organization who knows ui path there's no even if you create a documentation there's no one with the expertise to actually run and debug even if they can they cannot create something new they can only fix maybe some things they cannot create something new so there is this additional challenges so you have to think about scalability so uh, and again the scripts that you write again best coding practices make sure that 
any other person who looks at your script can actually understand it because what happens normally is that you write a script and you're very happy with it but two months down the line you have thousand scripts and it's difficult to maintain the data it's difficult to scale it it's difficult yes. to actually uh, see what code to modify or how co- each code is linked to each other and can we reuse some of the code so you have to think about scalability right from the beginning you cannot just say that uh, okay i've scripted it and it's working and then after two months you have thousand scripts to execute so that's not a that's not a use case. that's not you're not solving any problem with it you're just creating new problems for yourselves yeah so you have to think about scalability and then maintenance i think this is very key a lot of times people think about uh, uh just creating the scripts uh, getting done and then they forget about the rest of the things so suppose a uipath consultant such as yourself goes to a project and they they build a code and they code everything perfectly and then what happens is uh, you leave because your job is done you have you have automated everything yeah. you know, the business process is now automated you have given you have provided some documentation as as part of your uh, contract you have given some documentation and then you have left now what happens is they have a problem no one understands ui path in their company in the organization so what happens they ask someone to look at the documentation and then try to fix it of course they can fix it but if they have to write a new code they can't so you need to have the in-house knowledge to maintain those scripts as well so it's not just return on investment on okay i've saved few seconds but then you have to also consider the cost of actually having a person 24/7 or whatever to actually maintain those scripts because if you are going to use them regularly they need to be maintained because sometimes people change things they change in the front end they change in the back end they change in the gui some small things change and then everything breaks everything stops working and then you need someone to fix it and that's where you need to think about maintenance of code okay so i think th- those are i mean the key principles so you think about the problem statement you think about the scalability and you think about uh, the maintainability of those things so once you know okay what problem you are trying to solve you can you can get the tool then how scalable it should be then that based on that you design design your framework how will you manage the data how will you reuse the code how will you do etc etc and then with the maintenance so once everything is done who will maintain it who will fix it when there is a problem yes absolutely so, yeah. to be honest all the parties involved in in an automation project has some responsibility to overcome these these problems and you know all the three things you mentioned they're they're so important in everywhere and i've come across examples of this in my in my professional life so many times and um as a developer what i always do is i always even even if i'm told or not i always code so that the the solution overall solution can take can handle a lot of these things for example you mentioned scalability right in when i'm making a robot um i'm obviously coding to solve the current problem you know business has yes. explained to me what what the problem is and what needs to be automated but i'm also thinking about you know if this was to expand if if the business expands and then you know they have current now currently they're say for example say for example i'm automating an invoicing pro- invoice processing so currently you know we have these list of five companies who have these five you know uh, uh, templates of invoice that they send but i'm also thinking about what if 
it expands to 20 other companies or however the robot is currently yes. processing. So I, whenever I'm doing the development, I do it in a modular way. So it can, you know, other things, other building blocks can be added onto it in future or other, yeah, yeah, other yeah, sort of exactly. things. That's, that's how you can, you know, how a developer can help with, you know, kind of future proofing the robot. And then, then there is the main, you know, when you talk about maintainability, I think it's, it's also, a, you know, if, if the robot breaks after two months, it's, you know, people automatically think, oh, the development was probably not good. So even <laughs> though, <laughs> even though I wasn't, um, you know, it, this wasn't in the, in sort of the requirements. Requirements, yes. Uh, what I always do is I say, for example, uh, you know, if, if you're pressing a button in a web page, what I always do is first the robot tries to find the button using the HTML code. And say, for example, if it changed, you know, the login button can be called sign in, you know, by the website provider. And that has nothing to do exactly. with the robot or the business. But what yes. I do is I say the first look for login. If you can't find in, then look for sign in. If you can't find that, then look for you know something else and say for example if the button appearance changes I also then say I mean I put in like three or four fallback processes so the robot doesn't break oh, and, wow. um, and also I also put in like some sort of logging mechanism so if it does go to the fallback then it kind of logs that in in somewhere in in, in a log report or something so then whoever is looking at it knows that okay now the robot is constantly going to this fallback option that means that soon might it might be a situation where the robot will not be able to handle anymore so they can anticipate something like that so th there are things you can do beforehand at, at development stage or even exactly you know, at the at the you know point of you know before deployment which will help exactly. the business in many ways so yeah i mean every entity can help and these are the things that you know one should remember to to do or to take especially uh, i mean uh, with uh, with the current state of software automation and coding everyone is thinking about agile so it means you have mm -hmm. to give a minimum viable product as soon as possible to the customer which makes a lot of business sense but that means you cut corners so you try to send a buggy product get a feedback fix it send it again deploy it again get some feedback and then add the features and deploy it again so it's good because you have something to give to the consumers but then it's it's um, it's a very slow iterative uh, manner in which you are releasing features it of course it's it's a it's a sensible way to approach business because then you are making sure that if the product is good they stick to it for a longer period of time because you keep drip feeding them features and as long as you can drip feed them features they will subscribe to your product the moment you <laughs> give a full-fledged product they will use it and then they'll say okay we, i don't have to pay money for it anymore i know <laughs> I, i've got all the benefits from it so yeah i don't need Absolutely. to use it anymore and also we also have to remember agile doesn't mean to do a half-assed job as agile means that yeah yes. we do an mvp minimum viable product mvp yes yeah the the key word is viable is is minimum viable product but has, at least has to be viable if it's not viable then obviously exactly uh, you haven't even met the minimum requirement so yeah agile yes. doesn't mean that you can do a you know half finished job it just means that you you are given a, a like a like ongoing timeline rather than having a very hard deadline absolutely you know, absolutely
yeah yes and and uh, yeah this this happens quite a lot in the industry i mean you say people are working in agile and then you go and then you release at the end of a sprint you do sprint review and you have not given any feature it's just you've done some back end you've done some refactoring or you've just added something but it's yeah. actually not visible to the customer yeah yeah i think i i i've heard this in a, in a, in a news uh, a few days ago like well, a, a a video game came out it was like really sought after video game and cyberpunk 2077 yes you know it was like uh, many many copies were sold in the beginning and then there it was yes. so buggy that you know some platform yes. had to actually withdraw it because you know it wasn't even fully and they offered used. refund it was <laughs> huge pr nightmare for the company that released it exactly it was the, yeah. one of the most anticipated games of this pandemic <laughs> during this pandemic keanu reeves from matrix he was there in uh, wow. in as like an as an avatar uh, in oh, the game wow. and there were there was the, the graphics were so amazing and but yes it is a buggy product yeah, maybe they didn't yeah. test properly so yeah yeah exactly so yeah absolutely agile doesn't doesn't mean, you know don't take agile too far that it it doesn't yes, yes. deliver at all i mean um i mean um for any business to work you have to think about the problem statement again i think that is very key even before you select the tool tool is just to solve a problem I, yeah. I keep repeating it and i'll keep repeating it tool is just to solve a problem in an interview when people ask me okay do you know this tool i said i know how to solve this problem i can figure out the tool yeah yeah so if absolutely. you know what you want to do you can figure out the tool right so if i know okay i want to search for this so based on what i want to search i type the search key in google and google gives me the result google will not automatically uh know by itself what i want to do or what i want to search i need to know what i want to search i need to define my problem and then google will be able to solve it so yeah i yeah. mean exactly i couldn't agree with you more um you know knowing the problem statement understanding what your final vision is before you start you know setting up the acceptance criteria and the final vision is is so important and yeah i mean it, as you 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 rightly said that you'll keep repeating it and yeah it needs to be iterated and reiterated that um you know that is that is very important you know for example and and the right tool as well i mean you know tool is only i mean if if we if we take like an, an ex- if we take an example for example you want to screw a screw into you know in, in somewhere you can you can have a screwdriver a manual screwdriver or you can have a power tool you know the um, yes i mean which tool you use yeah it, because it's a power tool the drill uh, drill um it might take you a minute to learn if you've never used one before you it might take yes. you a minute to learn it but the problem remains the same yes. and if you know exactly what needs to be done you need to screw a, a screw the nail into something you, you screw the, the 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 screw into a place you don't need to hammer a nail into it or exactly no. so you have automated the process Yeah well yeah with with the power tool you can you know uh, with with a drilling drill machine you can automate it is powerful and if you're doing if you're screwing 100 um, 100 of 100 screws then obviously it does help but using you know which tool you're going to use obviously there is that difference you know whether you want to use a manual screwdriver or a power tool but it will only take you a very small amount of time to learn that power tool but exactly. you need to understand that what is the actual problem the problem is they need to screw them you don't need to nail yes. 
something with a hammer. So that's that. These are two different problems and it, exactly solutions. So that's that's basically you know my example on on how important it is to know the problem and and the solution, what the solution looks like. Then you can choose the right tool for it. You've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You've nailed it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is what I, this is what I keep telling people that uh, define the problem statement. Once you know that tool, you can learn the tool. It's it's not a big deal. You can read the documentation and learn yeah. the tool. But um, in a in an enterprise uh, environment, when they pay a lot of money, they expect people to know the answer or the solution beforehand. Um, so they they want someone with the experience of handling those tools. So even so, suppose you uh, invite a person, say a, a a building contractor in your house, you would expect them to learn those tools, at least all the tools. So in general, it's good to know those tools and uh, mm -hmm. at least the basic features and know how to use them, and then you can work over it, like how to use it, where to use it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah. and software testing and software automation, it applies the same principles because once you know whether you want to do it on browser or in a desktop application or a mobile application, then you can start thinking about what tool you want to use and what are the features. And I, I missed one thing and that is the programming language because in all these things, you will have to script, you'll have, write to, have to write a code, a piece of code that will do the job on your behalf. So you click a button, it executes the code. Uh, and that code has to be written in some kind of programming language with the computer or the tool understands. And that could be Python, Java, JavaScript, Ruby, etc., etc. So there are lots of programming languages in which you can write your scripts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So um, obviously we've we've um, you know uh, talked about that already a little bit. The things that we need to consider before trying automation. But what what are the other things that we need to consider? Like um, you know, as you know, not only just test automation, but you know, in automation in general, before thinking of automation, what are the things that we should take into account? So, uh, I mean, uh, normally you, uh, whenever you automate something, um, say I'm automating a script on my Windows machine and I, I want to uh, do some things, say take screenshots or maybe put something in notepad, a text, which I copy from the internet and save it. So I need to know what kind of data I will be using for that kind of automation. <coughs> so will it be uh, will it be some data that's pre-existing or will it be data that I have to create from scratch? Um, plus, um, in an in, in a enterprise environment, what happens is, uh, say cloud environment. So now cloud is getting very popular, right? Um, and in cloud, what, what happens is you can deploy everything by a piece of code. So there is this concept called infrastructure as code, where you uh, deploy a cloud infrastructure, say a virtual machine, say a virtual machine with a specific hard disk capacity, virtual machine with a specific hard disk OS and computing power, virtual machine with the computing power, hard disk, OS, and RAM. So you can define all these things and with a piece of code, you can deploy, deploy this on AWS, Google, or Azure. And uh, with that piece of code, you can deploy it. But now what happens is they start charging you. The moment you build an environment and you start playing with it, they start charging you. They start bill billing you for it. So you need to make sure that once you finish your job, you, you, uh, uh, what do you say? You destroy them, destroy that environment. 
so that you don't get built for it so uh, this environment creation and destruction is also quite important especially when you are thinking about automation because if you run your script and you run it in a cloud environment but you uh, run it only for a few same minutes and then you stop it your environment is still up so you have to think about deprovisioning the environment then the environment might have some data so every time you have to start from scratch so uh, you have to have the script for that okay so every time start from this base environment don't add anything on and whatever you have done or maybe erase it forget about it things like that then if there is any error so especially in automation what happens is um, as as you mentioned the login button can change to sign in the color can change uh, the location of the button can change etc so you have to be prepared mentally that okay if this scenario happens how will my script work will it be able to handle it so you need to code for that as well so error handling is also quite important you need to be able to handle all errors of course you cannot code for everything similarly you cannot handle all possible errors but the more robust it is the better because then it's more stable it will not crash so we remember that old windows used to crash quite a lot we used to see that yeah. blue screen of death bsod oh. which everyone is quite uh, familiar with <laughs> <laughs> so so yes so test environment and then uh, data and then um, i mean you can uh, the error handling is done now once everything is done you have to think about reporting so i i mentioned you have to create a report but the report needs to be sent to someone it's it's just not useful if the script runs in the middle of the night say at 12 o'clock in the night and then finishes by 1 1 o'clock in the morning early morning and now the report has been generated but it is just sitting there so no one knows what has happened no one knows how many scripts have passed or failed and it's just sitting there you have automated this reporting process but you have not automated of sending the report to people so people who are coming say in the morning shift 6 o'clock 7 o'clock in the morning 5 o'clock early morning they come to work they have to manually see the report they don't get a alert so right from the time you check your uh, email while you are commuting you don't know what has happened you have to come to work open a, com- a folder open the report then see it automate that also- process as well you have to remember to do that as well because you, you might remember to do that your day like as if nothing happened and you know something is probably just paused for exactly exactly so so automate that process as well so the report not just creation of report but sending the report um so once that is done i think you have a robust system so you start with the programming language you start with the scripts uh, the error handling the uh, the uh, execution reports so n- then then your script is uh, ready and the test environment which is quite important especially in cloud i think cloud it's it's more important plus if you notice the, the in the whole uh, conversation so far it's all using code so code is actually more powerful than uh, doing uh, some other means of automation so there is this uh, principle uh, not principle but there is a way of recording something and then trying to play it back so you try to record a scenario log into a website add something select a product add it to your basket check out pay submit the order now you have recorded this session now you want to repeat this session so now you just you there are tools who can intuitively do it you just change the data 
right this can also happen but it is more flaky flaky means it will break if anything changes if the screen size changes if 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 you click somewhere it will break so that's flakiness it should work every time the way it should it, if it doesn't work then it's flaky and that's why it's more powerful to use code because in gui you have more chances of things changing with your screen resolution with your font with your uh, the the platform that you are using to open the particular page etc etc but with code it's just looking at the back end the source code the html code so it's more more flexible and more powerful so always use that's why it's important to always use code and that's why um, in in automation testers uh, skill set one of the main uh, requirement is do you know how to code or even if you don't know how to code do you know how to read code can you actually understand what's happening even if you don't know what the logic is yes yes absolutely i mean to be honest it, it it it's good that you point you know you talked about record and playback because that's one of the things i was going to ask you after uh, you know right now like you know automation frameworks like you know there there are various frameworks which you follow when you do automation and record and playback is one of them um you know what what uh, i think another one is data driven um tell us a little bit yes. more about that so yeah. so so there are uh, different automation frameworks and the industry has come across and this is mostly to do with testing on how you test software uh, so linear linear framework is basically uh, you have record and playback so you record something and you play it so mm-hmm. there is nothing else it's as simple as that but when it comes to data driven uh, data driven is basically uh, you have data separate from the script logic so what it means is say all the data is in excel or a csv file and say username uh, payment card details um uh, product details etc so those are the things that you would uh, use regularly um and address details so you want to I keep adding multiple addresses so you can't think of addresses so you have a database of addresses that every time you fill in a form use this address so all that is separate outside the logic and in the script you just call the variable and you call the data source and then you play with it there are of course other automation frameworks and you can easily google about them and uh, in the description of this video we we can provide you with other things but the key thing is you have some scripts you have some data and uh, you want to report something and you want to handle errors so th- that way so there is uh, there is something called as modular framework that you were talking about so every function has its own piece of code so it just focused on that particular function there is keyword driven so every function has its own keyword so if you call the keyword it executes the uh, script on that particular function so so based on that there are different types of framework but majority um, majorly if you are a beginner you will go with a linear one if you are uh, if you want to go a bit advanced you go to data driven and then if you want to go even more advanced you go for a hybrid which is the combination of some of these functions nice. keywords uh, and data linear everything mixed together like in yeah. ui path right you don't you follow one principle you follow multiple things somewhere yep. recording playback playback is more useful in some cases um, it's more to do with separate the data and have the logic separate right 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are different ways, and you, you, you know, looking at the problem, and uh, again, you know, problem <laughs> knowing the problem statement. That's why looking at the problem and you know the acceptance criteria. All of this, taking all of this into account, you understand the bespoke need for that robot, you know, and how you can, you know, um, align your development matching the output that that is needed for the business so yeah that's uh, um that's that's yeah that's so important and um one of the things that you mentioned data driven i mean there are two things that i'm i'm most passionate about one is rpa automation and the other one is data and data and you know big data is so powerful and it gives so much insight in anything that you're doing if you have data you can make any decision any difficult decision becomes lot easier if you can if you have data and know how to represent that data in a in a in an insightful yes. meaningful way and yeah data driven automation is is so powerful and you can take automation to the next level you can take like a self you know self modifying robot or self or modifying automation system so for example you know uh, something if you have like a good monitoring system of the infrastructure that monitoring system will keep collecting data so it will know when any of the vm is being turned on or off when any of yes. the services yes you know if there is a peak at at particular time of the year or particular time of the month for example in accountant uh, in accountancy there is particular month end activities and then year end activities and yes. at that time you would need more resources you, you might need to deploy more vms and you yes. know, if all of Absolutely. this data is collected then you can automate this so you you, you know you would uh, say for example just before end of june like you know at the beginning of of june um the the procurement team will get an email that oh you know this month we're going to need an additional set of resources it resources you know procured them on time etc etc and you know you could you could even further automate it you know for example you could have a like a um you know for a different kind of event you know you could have you know normally the robot or you know the code automation tool behaves does a set of particular things but then um you know if if it, but it can also take another route which is not really efficient for the current way the things are but you could have a like a every time the robot is or or the code is performing it can keep a keep track of of a certain monitoring variables or values and every time it ran in in a particular way uh, if it you know falls you know if it comes across an error or some sort of weakness it marks down as okay uh, this many times this happened and then if it reaches a certain number like 100 times or 1000 times then it will take that as okay this now it's time to change this way of working and I'll I'm going to do this other way until until that way generates 1000 errors and things like that so yes. you can have a, like a self modifying kind of like a living AI. organism so i I'm, I'm, I'm coming to that it's ai artificial intelligence and and the way you're describing remember you were talking about the genetic algorithm in your yes uh, in your talk so this sounds something similar right so you try this approach if this doesn't fail uh, if this doesn't work try with a new set but you know from the previous population what has worked what has not worked and you yes. randomize some things right so Absolutely. so there are now tools in the market that 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 uh, 
let people uh, automate things without them actually doing a lot of coding. So the AI actually looks at what you're doing and generates code for you. Yeah, so it's absolutely. like a record and playback, but instead of just playing it back for you, it's giving you the code. And once the code is generated, then you just tweak it. Yeah, so it's done yeah. most of the job for you as well, because that record and playback is also becomes repetitive after some time. Yes, yes. I mean, so, you know, so so just just going... automate that. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, things are going so advanced nowadays. Yeah, most of the things. I mean, we should actually. I mean, we've done one talk on uh, genetic algorithm and AI. I mean, there are many other arena um, aspects of AI and many other algorithms. In yes. AI. We should we should do another one or two talks as well. Let's yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, b before before uh, uh, I mean before we jump to that. The other thing I just realized, uh, it came to my mind, um, industrial automation. Mm. So a lot of people, when they think that, okay, uh, um, we have become lazy, industrialization is not good for the environment and things like that. I read a very interesting article and they said that actually industrial automation has actually saved so much of man hours in doing repetitive work. Some of the examples are a washing machine. Humans mm. used to spend so much time washing clothes every day, drying them washing them and drying them. So washing machine came, dryer came, solved the problem. Then human beings spent a lot of time heating food. Microwave oven came, solved that problem. Human beings spent a lot of time washing dishes. A dishwasher came. A dishwasher was actually invented by a woman. A lot of, lot, <laughs> many people don't know it, but a dishwasher was invented by a woman because the woman who invented it saw that a lot of her time is going in washing dishes drying them, cleaning them, and putting them back. So this industrial automation saved so much time. So now we have all these gadgets at home and we see, okay, wow, we can do so many things, but we don't um, think like, okay, it has actually automated our lives. Those repetitive tasks we have now automated using those devices. So that's that's the level of uh, repetitive work that needs to be automated that I'm talking about. So we we started the talk with software automation, but automation needs to be applied to all parts of our lives. Anything that you are doing more than three times, as you mentioned, yeah. you should automate. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Right. Okay. Well, that's 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 good. And also, you know, there is another thing um, that is related to automation is how you trigger that automation. A lot of the times, the trigger is is quite important because, you know, if you actually have to remember and click play or click start, that's actually also something <laughs> you don't want to do. And there 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 might be dependent triggers. And I think the first thing is, um, you know, is Windows scheduler. You can you can schedule something. Yes. So the yes. trigger is time-based. But then you can also trigger things based on another event, like if you receive an email or things like that. And then there are, like, you know, there are some triggers which are, you know, you are okay with as, as humans. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, we'll probably do another talk on accessibility. But, for example... You know, my you know, in my home, I've I've tried to automate as much as possible with with voice control. Um, yes, I can turn on and off lights, and I can turn on and on and off the heating. I can also yes. open and close the curtains, and you know, all of them separately might not be you know much, but I can also program them so 
at, you know, like six o'clock in the morning, you do all of them. You know, you open yes. the curtains, you turn on the heating and you turn on the light. And, you know, you could also turn on the coffee machine, turn on the computer. So overall, you know, you're not, you, you know, you wake, you wake up to an already, you know, productive environment. So you can just start. You don't have to do all of these things. And uh, you know you can you can do your morning exercise and then just start uh, start. Being. No, that is that is uh, quite fascinating. There is this tool called if this then that I F T T T, and yes. it helps you do all these things. Like if this happens, if and there is um, I I don't know if you are aware there is this geo automation. So it's I mean it's not the right word, but basically what happens is the moment your phone knows that you have left a particular location, it will trigger something. Yes. So using the GPS, you can actually trigger some events from your Absolutely. phone. So the moment uh, your GPS is always on, right? So the moment you leave a particular geofence area, say your office, mm-hmm. it will start the heater, heater in your house. It will switch on the lights. It will turn on the uh, heating, etc. The kettle, it will warm the water for you because it knows that, okay, you are at this location. You are this, this far away. So let's uh, trigger all those events and then switch it on for you. Absolutely. I mean, you know, right now during pandemic, it's probably, you know, not going to be geolocated right now, but, you know, it will definitely be useful, you know, uh, based on, you know, it it, it doesn't have to be office or home, you know, it could be. It's already there on iPhones. It's already there on iPhones. I have IFTTT app. uh, Oh, okay. Yes. It is such a useful app and it can become so powerful and you can also, you don't have to code them or you don't have to do this series of automation you also get a lot of preset ones that are already created yes. by people around the world so you can just download and you know turn that on and then it's just ready to go you can also do like you know if you have cctv at home you, you know you probably don't want to be recording all the time but when you're leaving your geolocation you know it turns on and it will notify you if if there is a change um in 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 the recording it will just tell you like if if a burglar just entered your, yes. your property you'll get notifications straight away and and yeah, there could be many things that it does as you leave your property, as you come in, and not just that. You know, it could be based on many other things. I mean, say for example, if you go on a, like um, you know, like a backpacking for five months, like yes. you did, I, you know, if the temperature falls below zero degrees, then you, you yes. know, home maintenance, your boiler does True. need to turn on for, you know, for a routine maintenance so the pipes don't get blocked by ice and stuff like that. So that could also be automated, and that's something that happens rarely but that it does need to be taken care of and you wouldn't know if you were in south america what's happening in uk weather and you don't want to be you know always monitoring very true yeah i mean this was one of our worries as well like uh, the icing problem on uh, pipes if the pipe is frozen the boiler doesn't turn on if the pipe cracks there is water leakage what will we do so yes automation helps especially also turning on lights Uh, a burglar if they are aware that you are away from home they'll see if the lights are turned off for a particular duration of Ah, time but if you can turn it on and off regularly using (laughs) an app then it tells okay someone is there living in the house Yes, the lights absolutely. get on and off. So, <laughs> so yes, that that level of automation is again. I mean, it's interesting, right? We started with software automation, and now we have gone into <laughs> Internet of Things. We are talking about how to <laughs> yes. automate our lives, and it's it is quite fascinating. People think that it makes us lazy, but I think it makes us more productive. 
Yes, absolutely. All those mundane tasks that we used to spend so much time now on yeah. have been automated. Yeah, your mind is not occupied with these trivial things, and you you just freed. And if you decide not to do anything, even that's good because you just have some relaxing time for your mind. You just don't have to do anything. It's not like you have absolutely. to be productive twenty four hours a day. But freeing up your mind is also important, and that automation helps you do helps us do that. Right. So yeah, I think we've covered a lot. Quite diverse talk yes. today, and um, um, I've I've actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, automation is 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 a very uh, exciting subject for me, and I'm sure it's for you as well. Um, I don't Same have any yes. other questions, uh, but anything else you'd like to add at the end? So in the end, just uh, as Renat mentioned, if you do th- things three times, more than three times, same thing. Just try to think about autom- how to automate it. There are tools. Um, I think uh, if once you know what the problem is, it's very easy to find a tool for it, and you can easily quickly do a Google search for it. Um, in the video today's video, what we'll do is we'll provide some uh, links which you can uh, use to uh, automate some of some of your life. including software automation iftt device automation etc uh, which uh, will be helpful but always try to automate it and make your life more productive because that will help you to achieve far many things that you possibly couldn't because you were doing the same task again and again and that's been eating up your time so Absolutely. thank you for listening again Yes, thank you, viewers and listeners. And just want to add as well that um, um, obviously we are doing this talk every week. And uh, if you have a particular expertise in any tech subjects, uh, do reach out to us. Um, you could, you know, we could have you. We would love to have you as a guest speaker. Um, and even if you if you'd rather not speak, but if you have a burning question or a a, a particular topic that you would like us to cover. Um, please you know comment on our youtube videos or you know uh, reach out to us through our contact details that is available in any of our um, podcast uh, pages or or even youtube um, uh, video so yes definitely definitely uh, start a conversation um, you know let us know reach out uh, let us know what you think or if nothing else just uh, feedback would be nice um So yeah, thank you very much guys for listening and hope to see you guys again next week with uh, more and more exciting topics. Bye everyone. Bye.